Hey, there is a way that you can uh, still go home with coffee, and that is if you're a first or second time guest and you complete the Connect card, it's a part of your Sunday paper. You take that to the guest uh, kiosk after the service and uh, at least find Vic, and he knows where the coffee is, all right? And and so he can uh, send you home with some today. I'm Carlos. And I pastor here at Watkinsville, and and I'm excited to be able to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 today. Uh, You can find a way to see Acts chapter 3. We're going to do a little journey in Scripture and talk about a series that we're referring to as Boarding Now. And I love that you're in the room on this day because it's given us an opportunity to talk to you about how you can not just go to our church, but you can go with our church. And over the next several weeks in this uh, fall semester, a lot of you will talk about where you go to church, where you went to church. And I'm not trying to change the culture of that phrase, all right? I'll use it probably sometime today before the day is over. I'll ask somebody where they went to church, or I'll tell somebody that I went to church. I'm not trying to get rid of that phrase, but I want us to have in our mind that there's more than just going to church, and I want you to hear the invitation that you, we, we want you to go with our church. We want you to be a participant. We want you to, to connect here and be a part of what's happening here. One of the prayers that I pray over and over again is that students will come to this area They'll connect with a local church, and I, I would love for it to be this church. I love being here, and I love what God's doing in this place. It's exciting to be a part of what God's up to, and uh, just uh, think about when students come here and new people come to our community and they're part of this place, that you get a taste of a local church that's alive and vibrant and on mission, and lives are being changed, and there's an opportunity to impact the world. And then when you leave from here to go live somewhere else after you finish this chapter of your life, one of the first things on your list is, I want to find a local church. That the experience of life here would be so valuable to you as a student that you would know when you leave here, you got to have more of the same. you got to be in a place where you are on mission with a local body of believers. And so we talk about this place being like a river where we know that people come through here from all over the world. They get a little taste of what's happening here, pick up some things from here, and then you move on to another place, and, and the, the river just keeps flowing to the, the rest of the world, and we're a little bit a part of your story. Let me tell you something just right out of the gate here that you could participate in, be a part of, that would give you the chance to go with our church and do something. Four times a year, we do what we call round one, round two, round three, round four. Tonight is round three, and we will meet together for a time of corporate prayer. It is, it is not uh, entertainment-driven. Like not, We're not looking at it as being something where you'd say, oh, that was fun. That might be joyful to you, rich to experience a body of believers praying together, but it's prayer. We, we come together and pray. 5.30 tonight in the chapel, and we're going to start the night off by singing together, and then we'll go right in to uh, explaining the prayer time and praying. There's a, a specific purpose for our prayer tonight. 
We're going to pray specifically for those that I believe in our community and area have the greatest opportunity to impact the next generation. And we're talking about praying tonight for teachers, professors, administrators, support staff, anyone connected to our schools, our colleges, our universities. And if you're in that category, you're a teacher, you're an administrator, uh, you're a professor, you're support staff, you're part of the team of schools, colleges, or universities, uh, I want to encourage you to be here tonight. Pray with us. Let us pray over you. Let us pray with you. Think about it. I have about 30 minutes, 35 minutes on a Sunday to talk to people, to share God's Word. But as a teacher, administrator, professor, support staff, five days a week, many months of the year, you're, you're in the life of the next generation, of, of a generation of kids and leaders, and, and, and you're, you're influencers. And so I pray that God will give you power, wisdom, insight, stamina, uh, full of spirit. Be able to respond to situations that come up. Be able to lift the name of Jesus when those opportunities are there. To be able to be a light in this world and have an influence for the glory of God. And so tonight, 5.30 to 6.30 in the chapel, come. Students, be a part of that. Uh, it's, it's, I know it's easy for, to say their church, and I look forward to the day when uh, all of you are saying my church, our church. It's, it's the church that I'm a part of and I'm going with and I'm doing life, and so we're going to do that tonight. This Boarding Now series is a series that taken four weeks to say these are the expectations of being a part of a local church and specifically being a part of Watkinsville. Boarding Now has to intentionally kind of a sense of urgency. Not next semester, not two years from now, this week, right now, in August, while you're getting started, you're saying, now, take the trip now, go with us now, plug in now, connect now, be a part of what's happening now with uh, this mission that we're a part of. And let me just say, just spell it out for you, uh, that our mission is making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Love the word wholehearted. We want to go after it with all of our heart. Not just check the box, not just routine, not with uh, a casualness, but with our whole heart. We want to follow Jesus Christ. And that's our mission. And, and so boarding now is, is kind of explaining what you can expect. Let me, let me explain it with a picture. Look at the screen for just a second. See if you recognize something here in this picture. I think you'll recognize the seats. You'll recognize those uh, popular seat belts. Uh, we know that that's, uh, uh, you probably can tell that's a plane seat. Uh, those are those seat belts. Uh, and in each of those seats, there's a little goodie bag. And there's a, I've never heard, maybe y'all are familiar with this, I've never heard of a Happy Hippo Biscuit. Anybody, that's your favorite snack? But in those bags, a Happy Hippo Biscuit, some gummies, some chocolate kisses, and some earplugs, some yellow earplugs. Here's what happened. Kevin Ezell is the president of the North American Mission Board, and he posted that picture yesterday. He was getting on a flight, and right when he was about to sit down, he noticed that all the seats around him in his seat had these goodie bags in it that had been placed there. And then he recognized and realized what was going on, that a mom traveling with a two-year-old had put those goodie bags in every one of those plane seats around them. 
And you know what that meant. She was saying, I just want to get out front. Here, here's some chocolate. Here's a biscuit. Here's some gummies. And here's some earplugs because this is what you're in for over the next few hours on this flight. I'm saying to you in this Boarding Now series, here's what you can expect. Not hiding it, not trying to sneak up on you, not trying to uh, get you kind of involved and then let you know. I'm saying right out of the gate, we're saying this is what it looks like to be a part of a local church and especially Watkinsville First. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago about big group. We said to be here, the expectation is you're going to be committed to big groups. Just a simple way of boiling it down to say that we believe in the gathering of the body of Christ. But it goes beyond that. We also believe in living wholeheartedly in the week. And so to be connected here to the body of believers, to identify with Jesus and to identify with Watkinsville, we're saying gather corporately, weekly for worship and live wholeheartedly daily out there. So it's gathering and it's living. It's being wholehearted. It's being faithful. Yes, it's being here, but it's also living out there. You bear the name of Christ. You carry the name of this body of believers. Then there's small group. And, and we believe that you commit to big group, you commit to small group. Now, in this room, a couple of hundred people, and we're here in this room, you say, what, what do you have in mind as far as small group? Well, by a small group, I mean a group smaller than you, smaller than this room. We haven't set a number on it. We don't say every small group's got to have 12. We don't say every small group has to have three or 25. They're different. Some groups are one-on-one over breakfast. Some groups are six-on-six. Some groups are couples with five couples and two singles. Some groups would be a, a class of 80 on Sunday morning or a Bible study of 25 or a D group or a family group. It's not the number, it's the environment. And what we're saying is, is that you connect in an environment where you can be in relationship, where people can know who you are, where you are, and how you are. Where people get to know your name, where people get to know your background, get, people get to know your dreams, get to know what makes you excited, what makes you sad, get to know where you are when you're not around, what's going on with you, get to know how you're doing. And how's your walk with the Lord? Are you growing? Are you in the Word? Are you sharing your faith? And so we connect to big group. Connect to small group. And then today I want to talk to you about this third thing, and it's to serve. To serve. What's an expectation of going with our church? The expectation is that you would serve. Now again, try to maybe come up with a different word, sneak it in with a cool story. But I just want to say right up front, when I look at this room, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Because when I look at this room, several of you are here for the first time or you're here for the first time after being gone for the summer. Some of you, maybe freshman year, you're kind of here and there getting the feel, but sophomore year, really want to plug in, want to connect. There's a few of you in this room that would be saying, first Sunday, I'm here, my next four years. Some of you have this testimony. You're, you were here first Sunday as a freshman, and you were here for the next four years. It's just where you connected and plugged in. I'm, I look at this room, and I get excited because I think there's small group leaders in this room. There are ushers in this room. There are missionaries in this room. There are pastors in this room. There are children's ministers in this room, college pastors in this room. 
There are people in this room that want to hold doors. There are people in this room that will hold babies. There are people in this room that will teach a class. There are people in this room that will feed college students. There are people in this room, and and you just look, hey, I'll serve. I'll serve. And and it it takes all of us to be the church that God would want us to be. And I hope somehow we can move today from thinking that uh, this church is meeting together and getting around to do something for college students. Love doing that. Love doing that. It was a big part of me coming here a couple of decades ago, just believing that God would give us an opportunity to reach and do and be in the lives of college students. But I want it to go further than that for you and that we're not just doing something for college students, but you would see that in your college days, you get to do something for others through the local body of believers, through a church. You take a step toward doing that. Well, to serve, simple definition, what does that mean? It means to do for others. That's, That's what it is. It's just doing for others. So when you walk into church, you pull on the property, you're thinking, I wonder what I could do for others in this body that would bring glory to God, give me a chance to serve. Use the gifts God's given me. Use the time that God's given me. Use the resources that God's, use the experiences that God's given me. Use the talents that God's given me. We're doing for others. What happens when we serve? What happens when some of you take that step and say, I'm gonna gonna do that, I'm, I'm in. It's going to be a part of my college days. It's going to be a part of this season in my life. What happens? There are three things that happen. I want to show that to you from Acts chapter 3. Look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and 4, it's a story of Peter and John. Peter and John, uh, they are, are going into the temple. And on their way into the temple, they see a guy that's laying there at a gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate. And he's laid there every day because he can't walk. And as people walk by, he asks them for money. And so Peter and John are walking up to him, walking by him, and he asks them for money. Let's pick up verse 1, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth and being, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms, just money, gold, silver, some kind of something that would be a, 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 a currency for him to buy things, and to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something for them. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. I just wonder right at that moment what was going through that guy's head. Next, <laughs> keep moving. I've heard this before. Oh no, here's, what's he, has he got a track for me? You know, what, 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 what's he gonna do? And, and, and here he goes, hey, But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. 
And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That drew a crowd. The crowd started gathering. You talk about a show. Here's a miracle where a guy they saw had always been placed there, always begging. He's up walking, running. He had been there for years. And the crowd gathered. Want to know how this happened. They were amazed. And Peter, never missing the opportunity to say something, began to preach. And he preached one of the earliest sermons we have in the New Testament church. And he started talking about Jesus. And verse 11, down through this end of the chapter, Simon Peter is preaching and he just lays it out. He tells the Israelites and Jewish people how they fit and how it led to Jesus. Jesus came, he lived, he was crucified, he rose again, he's living today, and then he calls them to repent. And, and they believe. Well, you'd think with this guy getting the ability to walk and praise and be excited that the religious leaders of the day would be excited, but they were annoyed. And in Acts chapter 4, it tells that they were annoyed with them because they were preaching the resurrection from the dead. And so they get Peter and John and throw them in prison. You talk about injustice. You talk about not fair. You talk about an unwelcoming spirit. They get thrown into prison. Well, once they're in prison... The leaders try to figure out what's going on. Uh, look, verse 13, they can't figure out what to do with them. They hear that the, the guy's preaching that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Verse 13 of chapter 4, look at it. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, and they're like, we can't deny this. They've healed this guy. He's different. We know who he is. He hasn't been like this, and now he's walking. So they bring him back in, and they tell the disciples, you go, but don't say anything else about this Jesus. In verse 19, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you judge. For we cannot speak of what we've seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. And then they go, and they meet up with their other believers, and they have a prayer meeting. And they start praying, and we have a recorded prayer of them talking to God. Let me answer this question from this story about what happens when we serve. Three things. Number one, we live out our Christian identity by serving. What happens when we serve? We live out our Christian identity by serving. In In these chapters, four times in the sermon that Peter preached, in the prayer that the people prayed, Four times Jesus is given a name and a descriptor. Follow along with me. Acts chapter uh, 3, verse 13. Acts 3, 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. 
Look in verse 26. Acts 3, verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Look in chapter 4, verse 27. This is their prayer. Chapter 4, verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus. And then look in verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Four times. The perspective of the prayers, the perspective of Simon Peter was that Jesus was a servant. What could they be thinking? Where did that come from? They hadn't addressed him in that way before. It had to be in their mind. They were thinking of a verse that Caleb referred to earlier, Mark 10, 45, where Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He was telling them, I came to serve. And here they are in one of these early sermons saying, servant Jesus. It had to be on their mind, that image of a towel and Jesus kneeling with the basin of water and wiping and washing their dirty feet with that towel. And then him saying to them, no one's greater than their master. Maybe they had the concept on their mind that Paul would write about later in Philippians chapter 2 where it says of Jesus that he left heaven didn't thinking, thinking not that the glory of God was to be grasped and that he emptied himself as a servant. And as they thought about who Jesus is, the servant, notice what happens when they talk about who they are. Chapter 4, in the prayer, remember four times servant Jesus? Verse 27, for truly in this city, chapter 4, verse 27, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Verse 29, and now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your what? Say it. Grant to your what? Servants. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. What had happened? All that they had seen Jesus do in serving and all that they had watched him and heard him say about serving, they took on that same identity. Servant Jesus, holy servant Jesus, servant, servant Jesus. And now they're praying, Lord, grant to your servants. It was their identity. Metaphors in the New Testament for the church were the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God. Those were metaphors for the church. They're metaphors for believers. The most common, most dominant metaphor in the New Testament for Christians and believers was servant or slave. Servant or slave. It was their identity. The outside world started calling believers Christians in Acts chapter 11. Outsiders called them Christians. The insiders, you know how they identified themselves? Servants. Paul, a servant. Paul and Timothy, servants. 
They saw themselves as servants. It's identity. In, in your life as a student or as an adult here out of college, you're just searching, who am I? What am I? Where do I start? And the world tells us so much. Start with what God says. As a child of God, the paradox is, is that we're slaves. We're servants of the Lord. Because that's who Jesus is. And when Jesus lives in us, the Holy Spirit lives in us, that's what comes out. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. I was thinking this way of all the ways that Jesus has served us and personally thinking about what Jesus did in my own life as a servant. And I just realized that from A to Z, Jesus just lived as a servant. Listen to this. Jesus Christ, he atoned for my sin. He bought me with a price. He crushed the head of the enemy. He defeated the grave. He emptied himself and became a servant. He forgave me. He gave his life as a ransom. He humbled himself in obedience. He intercedes at the right hand of the Father. He justified me. He keeps me in the palm of his hand. He loved me with sacrificial love. I'm talking about the servant, Jesus. What did he do? He made a way to be reconciled to the Father. He names me in the Lamb's book of life. He overcame sin and the grave. He paid a debt he didn't owe that I couldn't pay. He quickened my dead spirit to life. He rose from the dead and redeemed my soul. He satisfied the wrath of God. He saved me, sanctified me, and spirit baptized me. He tore the veil and he tells the truth and he upholds all his promises. He victimized the devil by making a public spectacle of him on the cross. And he won the war over sin and death. And he X'd out all my transgressions. He yielded his will to the Father. And he zeroed out my account, giving me an inheritance of heaven that will last forever. Jesus Christ, the servant. And when you live for him, what you're doing is actually living out the identity of who you are because this is the Christ that lives in you. Number two, we live out, the, our, our, we live out our Christian identity by serving. And number two, we magnify the glory of God by serving. That means that who God is becomes bigger, better known, and praised when we serve. Do you see the reaction of the guy when he was made to walk? He walked. He leaped. He jumped. He, he just, I just get the impression. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's like a, I mean, we got this young Labrador retriever on our back deck. Every time we walk out there, he's all four feet just come off the ground. He's come off the ground. And I'm just seeing this guy, and he's just like he's leaping, he's walking, he's leaping and walking and praising God. And then it says earlier that all the people are so excited, and they're all praising God for what had happened. And what had happened? Peter and John didn't have money or gold or silver to offer, but they took the power of God and offered it, and a life was changed. And because they let the power of God work through them, this life was changed and praise was the result and God got the glory. You realize that if you plug in and start serving and you do for others for the glory of God, lives change. Lives change. 
We magnify the glory of God by serving. Number three, we live out our Christian identity by serving. We magnify the glory of God by serving. And we experience lasting joy by serving. If you're familiar with the New Testament at all, one of the things you, you don't find in God's Word is that you just, you never come away saying, boy, Paul was in a bad mood. You, you never come away saying, man, he's really belly aching there, wasn't he? There's not all that complaining he's doing. It's really amazing. You, you can't miss it. That from Acts on to the end of the book, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the, the, the pressure that they're under, this joy just keeps coming up. This very scene that we're reading about, they heal a guy that hadn't been able to walk for years and they get thrown into jail. Paul. He's like in prison writing all these letters and he just keeps saying rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. There's like this lasting, it's like they're figuring out that serving the Lord and His will is what they were made for and that's where their joy came from. One of the great battles you're going to have in these days is to, is, are the things that you're going to go after and you're going to think that'll make me happy. That relationship will make me complete. That degree, I'll finally be able to say. If I can get that approval, listen, live your identity in Christ first. And it starts by serving others. We experience lasting joy by serving. Their circumstances revealed their joy instead of robbing their joy. That's a real battle for us. A change in circumstances can just siphon off our joy. Our daughter moved um, Friday to go to Kennesaw State. We took her over Friday and, and helped her, got up over there early in the morning and got her all set up and we're working. I told Carla going in, I said, hey, look, you know how people say, I clean houses, but I don't do windows. Well, I, I, I'll help people move, but I don't do curtain rods, all right? I don't do curtain rods. Any of you hang curtain rods in your dorm or apartment this semester? Anybody? I guess a lot of you, they're already done because so many dads don't do curtain rods. I mean, they just had to put them in ahead of time. But, I, but I'm like, I, I, if you can find somebody else, just, I don't do curtain rods. And, and going over there, I'm, I'm knowing in the back that we've packed curtain rods. And, and I've got, like, makeshift tools, and we get there, and... And I'm just thinking, you know, maybe there's a dad, maybe there's a brother, maybe there's a next door neighbor that hangs curtain rods. I'm not going to do the curtain rods. And so we get in that apartment and at six o'clock Friday evening, I jump down off of a high stool with tools in my hand and I look and I point, curtain rod. I hung curtain rods. Amen. Now listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. They were level. Amen? They were level. And the, the, the second set, the second set, the curtains, just the bottom of the curtains, just right there. Right, right, just, just barely dragging the carpet. And I'm just walking, I'm like, I'm curtain rods. Carla, 
And all the way home, she's talking about missing Cheney, and inside, I'm just saying, I hung curtain rods today. I'm just, and, I, and it's just, it's just beautiful. I felt so manly. I was just like, I mean, I, this is great. I think my day job, budget blinds, I'm here for you, and I can do this. Here's what I want you to say. Girls, guys, if your dad showed up and, and hung, put curtain rods up for you, call them today, all right? Encourage them. Thank them. It's a big deal. And, and so I'm just excited. And then later, here's what happened. I'm thinking to myself, she's going to move <laughs> to another apartment. And my curtain rods are in there. Shoot. I just, it aggravated me. I'm thinking, I just, it was just gone. She'll enjoy it, but then she'll move. There's no lasting joy in that. Here's the difference. You serve the Lord in the local church, His bride, His body, His family. We're talking about lasting joy lasting joy that circumstances just reveal the joy they don't rob you of the joy and I and I want to encourage you to to take a bold step as a student to just say hey I'm gonna make this a part of my life as a student we want you here we want you to serve here the Sunday paper that you got when you came in has a place where you can put your name and some information there, and I'm asking you really just to take one step. You're going to hear from now from a guy, and I've got a couple of minutes here. I want you to hear from a guy that, that took a step almost from day one to say, I'm going to serve here, and the difference it's made. And here on this Connect card, it, it detaches, and just saying enough information to know who you are. In the very first spot there, contact me about opportunities and needs for serving. And, and we're going to take that information and we're going to put in front of you by email or mail or in a, a gathering and say, here are ways that across the day, across the morning, across the week, that you can serve for the glory of God, for lasting joy, to live out your identity in Christ. And so do that today before you leave. Put it in a connect box. Give it to the guys outside after the service. But Vic, Joel, Ben, you guys come and I want them to hear kind of a real life story here um, of, of what happens when you kind of step in and serve. Uh, yes. Carlos, I'm Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. And this weekend we had uh, 30 interns away at a retreat. Where you at, interns? We see you. There we go. Yeah. You can see their shirts. Uh, so that that's one way you may be thinking about there it is you might be thinking about next year maybe I'll serve as an intern a college intern here and Ben is our one of our intern coordinators and uh you had a good time this weekend oh great yeah it was awesome (laughs) I'm I'm really sore from the tubing but it was oh it was good um but they they serve like crazy you got plugged in here a couple years ago yeah before we get into all that just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are yeah, so I'm a fourth year here at UGA. I transferred in after my freshman year. Um, I'm a communications major and a religion minor. And um, I've got a dog named Berkeley. He's a great dog. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically me. Um, I love playing soccer. I love being outside. That's about it. Awesome. Very good. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> we have whispers from the front. Sick. Um, Carl's, Carl's something about being taken. You, man, come on. Uh, ben, so you got plugged in at our church a couple years ago, but before that, as we were talking this week, and I was hearing some of your story, that some of your story I'd never heard before, it stood out to me. There was a point in your life where you had you started at Kennesaw State yep. your freshman year. You went through a really rough year there. You yeah. finished that uh, last semester, second semester of that year, and your parents come to you and say, we're getting a divorce after 32 yep. years. Yep. And you had signed up to serve at Centricid, yeah. and there was just this moment <laughs> in your life where you like, all of this is kind of colliding, and you're like, do I even go this summer? Do I even like fulfill this commitment? Tell us about that season and, and what you did there. Yeah, so I, uh, first semester was really rough for me freshman year, um, just trying to numb a lot of pain from the past um, with horrible stuff. And in second semester, I had a really awesome guy. His name was Ethan. Um, he mentored me through high school, and he, he called me out on some stuff uh, and, and kept me accountable for it. Um, and after that, I think that was a really big turning point, point in my walk um, where he called me out on some stuff and, and loved me and prayed for me. <laughs> um, and it was a thing where every single week he would pour into me, um, whether it be on FaceTime or whatever it may be, um, that second semester. And so I felt, felt a call to, to just that summer, let me serve, let me serve somewhere. And that, was, that happened to be at Centricade Camp. Um, and I was, I was at a place where I knew, after my parents told me that, it was supposed to be a happy time because I was transferring over to UGA, best school in the world. Um, and, and it was supposed to be the happiest time of my life, man. Um, but some, some of the hardest news um, ever. Um, and and it, was, it was so cool because in, in the previous semester, I, I had been numbing some, some, some pain with horrible stuff. And now here's the hardest thing I'm ever dealing with. And I have a choice. I have a choice to either... Um, flake out on Centricid and, and go back home and fall into these same stu- the same stuff. And, or I can make a choice and be bold and step out um, and go to a place for two months and be fully reliant on God. Most beautiful place you can be in well, while, while you're in some, some sort of suffering. Um, just being at a place where you are fully reliant on God and just say, God, use me. I'm a uh, I don't know what, where else to turn but, but to you. So that's um, just, the, I would say, the hardest season of my life, but the coolest season because there was so much growth in that. Yeah. yeah. And that set the tone for you because you finished Centricid and serving there. Yeah. And then you were going to come to Watkinsville, or not to Watkinsville, to Athens, yeah. I guess, to be at UGA. But you knew you wanted to plug into a church, and you knew yep. you wanted to serve right away. So tell us about how you did that yeah, and what so happened. Fun, fun fact, I, I actually interned here before I even went here. Um, so I, I, hadn't, I, I knew Daniel Neesmith. I knew he was on staff. I didn't know he was the student pastor or anything like that. So I called him up two weeks left. It's Centric Kid, and um, just asked how I could get involved. And then the next day he called me back and said, hey man, you're going to be my intern. Um, and so just <laughs> jumping right in. Um, and it was the coolest place because I, I knew one person going to, going to the intern retreat. And um, we were talking about this earlier and knew one person. And, and for me, it's, it's like, God, I know I want to get involved, but people aren't going to come to me. It's not going to be a thing where people are just going to surround me. I've got to be bold and step out and want to serve and want to get involved. So it's going to, I always say I'm pretty good at 
making people comfortable by making them uncomfortable first. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of truth to that and a lot of truth to how you jump into a situation. It might be uncomfortable at first, but as you continue to serve in that situation, man, you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel like God's really moving this. God's really growing me. And that's exactly what happened uh, through, yeah. through Wadi. Yeah. Let me ask you about this because you have, you've served here, you know, for the whole time you've been here. Yeah. I mean, you jumped right in and, and we, we would love for you to do that. If you're here and you're, you're hearing all this today, hearing from Pastor Carlos, hearing from the word and you're like, you know, I want to serve. I'm, okay. I'm going to do it. Just come and tell us. We'll help you. We'll get you connected. Yeah. Uh, fill up that card. But um, one of the things that he brought up at the end of his talk was this idea of how it brings you joy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell us about like how it's, it's not been like painful, but it's yeah. like, it's been a real joy for you here. Right. Yeah. There definitely are. Like, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a, it's a thing where you don't have to do it. It's where you get to do it. You get to serve. Yeah. And it's a, like, I serve with students and I love students. I feel like that's what God's calling me to do is pastor students one day. And I'm lucky to uh, be leading 10th grade guys, seven of, seven of them specifically, that are going to be amazing leaders one day. They're awesome, great guys. And, and that's what brings me the most joy is serving with, whenever you see one of them connect something in their head, whenever you, whenever you go somewhere uh, or, or take some kids to do some missions and they're seeing they're seeing someone on the other side and the gospel's connected for the first time, that's what makes it all worth mm-hmm. it. That's what brings you joy is because you're, you're seeing someone figure out who Jesus is for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the coolest thing ever. And um, I was able to go to Boston, serve in Boston this past summer, and to be able to talk to people of all different religions, uh, people who up there, some people, it's not the Bible Belt, so some yep. people have never heard the name of Jesus and there's a lot of nominal Christians up there and stuff like that. But whenever you see it click, whenever you see people get curious about it, that's what brings yep. you the most joy. That's what pumps you up. And because every tribe, every tongue, every nation, that's what gives you motivation to go to the being people. Yeah. Because you know God's going to work in one, at least one person here, and they are going to get the gospel you know, that's what yeah. gives you the most joy. Awesome. It's yeah. fire me up. <laughs> I, just seeing him get excited yeah. is like you can tell. Yeah. It, uh, it fuels you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you've... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm ready to run through a wall. <laughs> so uh, we want you to hear Ben's story. Because we believe Ben's story could be your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and if you, if you haven't connected uh, and you've just been coming to church, Pastor Carlos said early on, we want you to go with our church, right? Yep. Don't just come. Go with us. We need you. We need you to serve. We, we have, Pastor Scott is in the room, I think, uh, and in the children's building. I, I don't know. He has some rooms. This could scare some people off where they're like outnumbered 40 to 1. In Heck yeah. Like two-year-olds. That's part of the fun. Oh, yeah. part that's of the that's fun, part of the though. fun, so, man. Some of you just said, I'm out. But uh, <laughs> here's what we want you to do. We want you to find a place to serve here. Yeah. And so we're going to give you an opportunity. I'm going I'm to pray for us in a moment. When I do that, uh, if you'll exit out either side here and you took that Connect card, Pastor Carlos said, just take that first step. If you'll bring that card... Uh, around the front, we'll put, a, we'll put a Coke in your hand or a bubbly or water. Bubbly. 
Bubbly. Sweet. Yeah? I love bubbly. All right. Ben will put a bubbly in your hand, yes. and you give us that card, and we will connect you with a way to serve in this church. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, this could be your story. And, and God will use it to grow you and mature you in a way that, that you're, you're not even going to be able to imagine. And so we want you to engage with the local church. Yeah. All right? Because we need you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for Ben's story. And Lord, there, there are a couple hundred of us in this room where it, it could be our story where you've used us in difficult places and you have fueled joy because we've just stepped into being obedient. And, and Lord, uh, the, the reality is, as Pastor Carlos said, our identity is expressed and lived out when we serve. And so Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room that you would help them find that place where they can uh, live their identity, where they can experience joy, and Lord, you can get glory and honor for it. And I pray for their week now as they move into the week. And we ask it in Jesus' name.